City Current Media, this is Doing Good, a show about social enterprises, impact investors, global corporations, and more, making money while making a difference in their communities. I'm Jocelyn Hebda, and today on the show, how a wandering farmer turned a passion for sustainable agriculture into one of the leading specialty tea companies in the nation and the ethical supply chain behind their impact. One of the first phrases to come out of modern corporate social responsibility is a term you've no doubt heard before, fair trade. According to the World Fair Trade Organization, it means a trading partnership based on dialogue, transparency, and respect that seeks greater equity in international trade. Basically, a business commits to pay more for what becomes the product they sell, So traditionally marginalized workers can earn more money, secure labor rights, or take ownership in their own enterprises. For companies that sell products, in particular consumer goods, it's a great way to build your values into the product itself and differentiate your brand over the dozens or hundreds of comparable options out there. Sarah Scarborough, founder of Firepot Nomadic Teas, was inspired herself by the ability of a business to change lives on both ends of the supply chain. Now, 19 years ago, when she started her tea business, it seemed almost impossible for a small business owner to know exactly what was going on with their sourcing. You have to keep in mind, we were still paying for the internet by the hour, and long-distance calls were incredibly expensive. So short of flying to South Asia and inspecting the tea farms yourself, you just have to hope that people were being treated fairly. But as you'll hear, Sarah did fly across the world to make sure she could actually call her business fair trade. And she built that message into every part of Firepot, expanding to global sustainability and empowerment giving strategies. Now, a quick note about today's interview. We recorded in Firepot's flagship tea shop just before it opened for business, and you may hear a few sounds of getting ready for the day. Hopefully, it transplants you right into the action. But first, to Sarah, who grew up growing watermelon at one grandmother's house in Tennessee and growing lettuce at her other grandmother's house in Finland, which Sarah says is where she first connected to knowing where your food came from. My background is in sustainable agriculture, and I spent, from the time I was seven until the time that I was through school, I really was focused on becoming an organic farmer when I grew up. And I think that came from just having witnessed my grandmother in Finland plant lettuces in her garden and have us harvest those for dinner. It was so inspiring to me. And then my other grandmother in Nashville, I um, remember her planting watermelon seeds in the backyard and those turning into, you know, huge watermelons that we could eat. And the whole process of seeds and plants and gardening was always so inspiring to me. And I've always just had a draw and an affinity for plants. And so I spent really my whole time through school, even here in Nashville, um, in high school at Harpeth Hall, I did a summer program with the Warner Parks that was all about measuring and preserving the trees. And then when I went on to college at Trinity College in Connecticut, I did a self-designed agroecology major, which was part philosophy, part science, and did a lot of studies at University of Connecticut as well as University of Montana. I spent some time in the Caribbean doing marine resource ecology and just um, spent a lot of time studying and learning about plants 
And so that was my whole background until I went to the University of California at Santa Cruz and took their agroecology program, and I believe that was 2000. And after that point, I really wasn't sure what my next steps were. But after coming back to Nashville and working um, to help get Thistle Farms up and off the ground, and I think that was 2000, I moved back to Montana. I got a job at a tea house called the Tibetan Trader, and that's where it all started to shift for me from agriculture into tea. So I was working just cooking at the Tibetan Trader and Tea House and started playing around with chai recipes in the kitchen. And after some time, I came up with what's now a fire pot chai recipe, and people just loved it so much that they picked it up for their cafes and their coffee shops and you know friends around town in Bozeman, Montana were helping me create labels and a website and figure out how to run a business. At that time I got fairtradetees.com, the domain, and really was inspired given my background with sustainable agriculture and my love for travel was just so inspired about the idea of affecting agriculture globally and not just locally. So ethical trade was really resonating with me and concepts around global sustainable agriculture and commodity commodity supply chain like coffee and tea and I was really inspired by this mission for fire pot chai which is what I was calling it at the time um, which was connecting tea lovers with tea growers to improve the lives of both and that really resonated with me and it felt like this is my life calling and I could see tea as this bridge between the growers in Asia, you know, around especially Africa and India where they have problems in tea from sex trafficking, slavery, pesticide use, low wages, poverty, all of those issues. I could see tea when paid a fair price for it, um, really benefiting their lives through fair trade and ethical trade. And I could then also see how tea as such a healthy drink for body, mind, and spirit, helping empower and inspire women on this side of the world. So to me, the, the idea of tea is that bridge, improving lives here and there made so much sense to me. So that was the first, that was how I got into tea the first time. But when it came to turning that vision into a reality, a lot of people asked her, why start a business to give back? You could go work for a nonprofit fighting for labor rights or get any job, make a bunch of money more quickly and then give a donation. To that, Sarah just couldn't deny her entrepreneurial spirit or her belief in social enterprises. I think that when you become aligned with your path and what you're called to do in the world, a lot of doors just start flying open. It's very energetic. So, you know, like I said, I had friends coming to help me with a website, help me with design, help me figure out business, help me with sales. It was really a team effort and and I just carried the vision. I really, for years, when people asked me that question, I would say I just was in the dri the passenger seat. I was not in the driver's seat. I was, I had the vision, but the doors flew open because truly the reason I think it resonated so strongly with me because is because I was on my path and that was my mission and my purpose really at the time and even still on the planet. So that alignment I think is what made it easier and I think you know for people who feel that pull and who are trying to figure out how to do it it's a lot of energetic work about getting into your life's purpose and 
starting to feel out what feels yes and what feels no and what turns you on, what makes you excited, and really less about the logistics. The logistics always fall into place when you're aligned. When it did come time for the nitty-gritty logistics of starting Firepot, Sarah had to learn how to balance her passion for the larger mission with the realities of doing business and converting customers. When I started it, I was so young, and I would literally go up to shop owners and I would almost like shame them if they weren't buying it because I would be like don't you care about people and the planet and don't you care about the environment and if you care you will buy this and I was so passionate about it that I would go and you know really when I look back I'm thinking that was a terrible way to do sales um (laughs) but I would shame them a little bit I think um and my platform was so small. It was brand new. I you know, I started it in Bozeman, Montana, and then I was running it out of Talkeetna, Alaska for a number of years until you know, I then moved to New Zealand and had another bigger business that I was really focused on. I just really sold fire pot chai at farmers markets and festivals. So the platform to be able to explain those things to people was so small. And it was really if people interacted with me. And then I moved back to Nashville, started another tea company, sold that to the Republic of Tea, which I ended up working for for a couple of years. And then once I started Firepot back up again, that's when I began to grow the platform and that's when I began to tell the story. And, you know, it didn't really dawn on me to call it a social enterprise in the beginning. It just was the it just was the values that were already ingrained in the business. So this is a lesson that a lot of CSR professionals and social entrepreneurs have to learn the hard way, especially when you believe in what you are doing wholeheartedly. Most of the time, just having a sustainable model is not enough. You need to communicate how you're different and why it matters and how a customer choosing to buy from you will reinforce their own beliefs. Whether it's printed on your packaging, demonstrated on social media, written up on your website, or explained at a farmer's market. If you want people to care about making a difference, you need to explain how your business does that for them. Now, Sarah got the hang of explaining how her business was different, but there were still a few more challenges in getting Firepot off the ground. Financially, I just took money that I had in my bank account, which was about $1,000, and that's how I started the business. So I took all the money that I had literally in my bank account, and I bought a bunch of teas and spices. I set up a rack where I was living in the basement where I was living and started just making chai (laughs) and selling chai, which was not legal, it turns out, to do that. (laughs) So one of the first challenges was when the health department caught wind of what I was doing and went to my biggest account, took all the tea off the shelf and put it in the trash can and I had to start over and get a certified kitchen. So that's how I learned that you need to have a certified kitchen if you're going to make consumable food products. (laughs) So that was one of the first challenges. Um, Another challenge for me was I really, really was called to understand what ethical trade meant. I really wanted to affect a big difference. I didn't just want to be a brand that was talking about it. I really wanted to make a difference in the world. So that meant a lot of travel to India and to Sri Lanka. And I spent a lot of time traveling over there on a shoestring budget. I one time rode a bicycle around the entire island of Sri Lanka, raising money for Oxfam, but also visiting tea farmers and listening to them and asking them their stories and their experience of being 
a tea picker on these plantations that were set up so long ago by the British and trying to understand their perspective and and trying to understand how can I make a difference? Is this extra money that I'm paying for tea making any any difference or not? So there was a big learning curve in understanding what ethical trade even meant. I was really turned on by the idea of it, but I really honestly didn't even know what it meant when I first started. So I spent a lot of time taking every bit of money and every opportunity that I had to go to India, to Sri Lanka, and then you know that turned into trips to Nepal and trips to eventually China and Japan and all the places where tea has grown just to understand it. It's so far away, so it took a lot of time and effort to understand. Just really valuing what I do and what I've done, because it's such a passion and because I love it so much and because it's been such a long journey for me, I tend to want to give it away freely. I've, I've had my concept copied quite a few times, and the first time I kind of did the shame on them, but the last few times I've done the shame on me for being so open with my proprietary information. So I think, you know, I think as a woman in business too, there's a tendency to want to be so generous and to want to be so loving and what I have is yours and, you know, this came to me freely and I'll give it to you freely. And so I've done a lot of that. And, you know, my work now is just being more protective of my time, being more protective of the 18 years of, or 19 now, I can't count the numbers, but of blood and sweat and tears and, resources and you know it's been my whole life path so I think learning to value that for what it is and not just give it to anybody who asks for it is something I'm working on. Unfortunately this is one of the hardest parts of starting a social enterprise. You have this vision for changing the world and you've put in the work to make it a reality creating a quality product gaining customers and building a brand just for someone else to swoop in and try to recreate what you've built. The best way to keep your brand from getting lost in the competitive clutter, it's to create a sense of community around your company that is so strong that you could never get lost. As you'll hear in a second, Sarah was so skilled in creating a sense of community around her business that it transcended just the local Nashville shop and turned global partnering with the Aquila Institute, a vocational school in Kigali, Rwanda. So we partnered with Aquila about two years ago, and Firepot, as I said before, it's always been about women, and it's always been about the environment. It's always been about connecting tea lovers with tea growers, who by and large are women, to improve the lives of both. So we partnered with Aquila two years ago, and it was really... I kind of just went out on a limb because it felt right, but it was it was not yet at all defined, the relationship or the partnership or how it was going to work. I just really liked what they were doing, and I knew then that I needed an organization that we could partner with, but that wasn't going to have to reinvent the wheel or start a whole new arm of their nonprofit to accommodate our mission, and that I wasn't going to have to start an entire nonprofit to accommodate our mission. So there were enough synergies and similarities in our missions that it seemed like a good partnership. So we began to work with them. They, be- they became our 1% for the planet recipient two years ago, and, and we started a partnership then. And now we're going, in a few weeks, we're taking about 10 people down to Rwanda, and we're going to go to Aquila's 10-year graduation and 
learn more about how we can further define our partnership and really make more of a difference both in Rwanda, which is an important tea producing area for us, and in the United States where we sell our tea. So we're going there to learn more and to further define and to deepen that relationship. But it's been two years so far and I've just been so impressed and inspired by what they do and how they continue to grow and you know the the passion that they run their nonprofit with and the way that they're leading education globally and they're doing some really amazing things so we're really really excited and proud to be partnered with them. I asked Sarah with everything going on with Firepot, the global initiatives, fair trade sourcing, new product lines, what was she most looking forward to as the company's brand expands? You know, I really am looking forward to further defining our relationship and partnership in Rwanda. And for all these years, it's been, I think, close to 20 years we've been, or I have been trying to affect change, both in or at Origin and with people here who consume our teas. So I'm really looking the most forward to figuring out ways to impact more change, to um, leading sustainability and environmental initiatives, to inspiring people towards yoga and meditation and wellness and alignment with path and purpose, and also to the money that we give back in Rwanda, to the education of women there, and and just feeling like, you know, I love, and, you know, there's a organization that I get to work with once a year in Morocco when I lead the trips down there under Tea Huntress, and it's called Project SOAR, and they are so inspiring. They have satellite stations all over Morocco, and they empower and educate young girls so that they don't have to get married young, so that they can then go on to have lives and have opportunity and see themselves as more valuable than just as a mother and just as a wife. And maybe that's something, you know, you mentioned Music City Morning, which has been a really successful tea for us. and. What it is, is it's a black tea, and we used to get it from Assam, and now we're getting it from Rwanda because we're working more and more in Rwanda. All the tea in our chai comes from Rwanda, but it's barrel-aged in a Belmead bourbon barrel. And so there's a partnership with Belmead bourbon and Firepot where we're aging the tea in that barrel, and it's just really delicious and mellow, and it has notes of you know tobacco leaf and cacao and... Um, dried cherry and it's a really delicious and beautiful tea but also it's very symbolic of what we're doing from a mission perspective because it's literally a connector from the project that we have in Rwanda and then people here in Music City. And with every venture, especially one aimed at impact, it's important to take stock of what you've done and the impact you've been able to make as a result of your hard work. For Sarah, the impact crept up on her. You know, I think when you're so intimately close to something, you just don't see it in moments like that. It's almost in hindsight. There are times that I go to our microbrewery in the warehouse in St. Louis, and I stand back and I see all the people that are working to hand blend the teas and all the people that are freshly grinding the chai spices. And I remember myself 20 years ago standing in my kitchen grinding those same spices. And I do then step back and I think, wow, there's we're producing chai on a regular constant basis and shipping it out across the United States and it's it's really just a bigger version of me standing in the kitchen with a coffee grinder you know at times grinding these spices and so I think in hindsight I've been able to look back and just to see 
how big it's grown and how many people's lives it's affected, both people who work for the business and people who love the product and people who are joining in the community through the events that we throw and the content that we create. So um, I think sometimes that that awareness is really, it's, it's definitely been in hindsight. As with every interview, I asked Sarah what she thought about the driving question behind this project. What does being a good business mean? So I think that good business is when you can look at every piece of your supply chain and know that the impacts that you are making are positive ones. So whether that is on people that work for you or environments that you touch or um, any other impact that your business has, just seeing the whole supply chain and making sure that it's positive. I think it, the reason why we have, that we need to have organic farming as um, a certification or fair trade as a certification is because the world used to be you know, a lot bigger where people couldn't just as easily get on a plane and go to India and understand their supply chain if they were buying tea. But now the world is too small and the technology that we have is too great for people any longer to not take responsibility for their entire supply chains. There's just too much information at our fingertips and affecting that kind of change has really been so simplified through technology and globalization that it's easy enough now to understand your supply chain and to have a positive impact. So I think positive impact business shouldn't any longer be a rarity, it should be the norm. It should be something that everybody's looking at their supply chain and how they're impacting. It's not okay to not, you know, I'm back to now my story that I used to shame people with 20 years ago. <laughs> it's just not okay to create a business that's not gonna have positive impact throughout your supply chain. That's Sarah Scarborough, founder of Firepot Nomadic Teas. And by the way, if you wanna know more about their tea locations, as well as community events and handcrafted recipes, We'll link to that on our Facebook page, at Doing Good Pod. Thanks for listening to our show. You can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, be sure to leave a review so more people can find the show. I'm Jocelyn Hebda, and you've been listening to Doing Good.